Hello and welcome to the Title Pending Podcast. I'm your host this and every week. My name is Willow. Your name is, uh, whatever your name is. And this is probably one of the more selfish episodes of this podcast that I'll be doing. I say that, like, not every single episode is just my ideas and not, like, oh, what'll appeal to the people? It's just, no, what do I feel like talking about today? Mostly because I have two listeners, partially because, I don't know, podcasts just kind of happen when they happen with me. Like, if I have an, a good idea, I'll do it. If I don't have an idea for a podcast, you can tell. <laughs> so, believe it or not, I had an idea for this one. I don't script anything, you guys know that. But I was reading the other day, and I thought I should do a podcast on my favorite author. Um, I haven't read all his books, but... He's an author that a lot of people who follow me have heard of, either because of me or because of um, the band we both shared um, that stole lyrics pretty much straight out this guy's book. Um, For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, which is probably like none of you because you've, if you're listening to me here, you've probably followed me since 2013 at least. Um, Maybe not 2013, but like long enough to know that who I'm talking about. This is Chuck Palahniuk's podcast. Um... He's my favorite author. I've met him twice. I have several copies of my book signed. Um, And he's just been my favorite author since I was old enough to, you know, read his shit. And I think I was still too young to read his shit. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the um, the themes flew over my head when I read them younger. But um, he, he has such a way with exploiting certain parts of our society and like kind of get like fight club we'll we'll get into it okay i'll start explaining to you as we talk about the books i wanted to go in order of release um but i haven't read them all in order so i'll go by the ones in order that i've read first to talk about them and then we can talk about the other ones and like i don't know discuss the plots together now i have two copies of fight club because i got one for christmas from one of my friends and, you know, my, my copy that I read a billion times. I am the type of person to write in my books. I know that's a very controversial subject matter for a lot of people. I am also very um, stingy with lending out my books because of this. I write in them not because I'm dissecting anything, more because... Sorry, I'm checking on my dog. Um, more because I it's a good way for me to think as I read. Um because I have, you know, I have ADHD. I am medicated for it. I didn't take any today, though, so that's, that'll be great um, when I'm talking about this. I totally forget what I'm saying. But Fight Club was his first novel, and it is still his most popular, and it's still the one that's, like, probably making him the most money um, because it was such a, a big... It was such a big movie. So, obviously, people who really liked the movie needed to read the book. I read it first. This is not the first book I read, but it is the first book he released. And if you guys don't know what Fight Club's about, I don't really know where to start with you um, because this book's out been out for almost 30 years now. I think it's been 26 years or 24 years. Ooh, I found a note in the back of this. Let's see. What did I say? And when is it dated? Oh, they're 21 Pilots lyrics for Car Radio, and they look like I was written when I was 13. Yeah, I just wrote the lyrics out. I don't know why, um, or why it was in the back of my Fight Club book, but... Can you some paper crumpling for you? Moving on. So Fight Club is about a narrator who's nameless, um, who can't sleep. That is the most basic way to 
summarize the main character of this story. He is a nameless narrator who goes to... Well, he has a regular desk job. He hates, like, he shops at Ikea. It's all this, all these things. He's pretty much just, like, your average Joe, which I think is the point that Chuck was trying to make, is this is, like, just every middle-aged white man at this point. Um, so he starts going to support groups based off of, you know, sarcastic advice that his doctor gives him for not being able to sleep. He's like, if you want to see real suffering, go to these groups. He wasn't serious. But he started going, the narrator started going to these groups, and he started feeling better about his own problems, I guess. So he was able to cry at these places, even though he was lying about having any of these illnesses. And therefore he was able to sleep. Now this eventually spikes his own support group, quote-unquote, for the working man. And it turns into this whole anti-establishment anarchist group, I guess, called Project Mayhem, where they are pretty much given homework assignments to destroy symbols of capitalism and gentrification and, you know, just pretty much reset society. The big goal was to blow up all the bank buildings that had all the information from these banks. So everyone had to restart at zero. So everyone loses their wealth and money is worth nothing. And you'd think that, oh, this is actually a really good idea to wait, like, reset society, right? Um, this book was taken way out of context for a lot of people who stand by it. And by a lot of people, I mean the white men who stand by it and think they're Tyler Durden. Fight Club is satire. This whole, ent honestly, all of his shit is satire and most of it makes fun of men, which is great for me. Um, but Fight Club especially is meant to show the dangers of mob mentality and masculinity when it's unchecked. Um, it's, it's, it's a great commentary on, like, how men in society see themselves, but a lot of people, like, a lot of the guys who read this book and saw the movie took it way out of context and didn't see that problem with it. They more saw it as, like, their own Bible. Um, We'll have a similar conversation about one of his more recent books called Adjustment Day. It's the one I'm reading now. He even references Fight Club in that book. His own book. He references his own book in his own book. He put himself in... Okay, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. But Fight Club, still being one of my favorite stories and favorite movies, like, of all time, it, it makes me sad that it's, like, considered a, a bro book or a bro film, even. Because it's, it's really good if you get what you're reading, like, if you understand what the story's actually about and how it's about the dangers of, un like, wanting something so bad and then, like, pretty much ruining your life in the process and everything starts to fall apart. Most of you know the story of Fight Club, whether it's through me or through actually reading or seeing the movie, but still a super good story and definitely worth reading if you haven't yet. It's an easy read. There are about, in this copy, like, it's it's under 300 pages. It's 218 pages. So if you're a fast reader, you can read this in, like, a day. Um, but highly recommend. My rating is 5 out of 5, but, like, I'm biased because this is one of my favorite books of all time. But we will move on because Fight Club gets enough attention as it is. The second book he, re he wrote excuse me, that I read 
let me look in this one because these are in order is and we'll talk about his other stuff like his his common his fucking um comic books and shit too but <clears throat> if we're still talking about fight club we can do that now he has two graphic novels for fight club two and three full-size graphic novels not just comic books he released these as issues and they're they're nuts <laughs> because not only do the illustrations like they're they're nuts they're so crazy but obviously like it's been uh, at this point i think 10 years since the original story ended um is when it takes place and it mostly talks about Tyler's impact, but Chuck is also at the end of this book just kind of hanging out, which I think is fucking hilarious. Like, he is a character in the story, but he's himself as well. And he's like, like, there's, there's panels of the writing room, and one of the, uh, this, this gets me every time, one of the pages is like, pretty much people getting Fight Club tattoos. Which I wanted to do when I had read the first Fight Club. For those of you who don't know, I had a plan to get the quote, the things you own end up owning you tattooed on my ribs. And in this compilation of stupid, like, tacky Fight Club tattoos that they put in the comic book, one of them is just a chest and torso tattoo of that quote, the things you own end up owning you. And I felt so called out. Seeing that, like, I was, I think this one came out when I was about 18 or 19, I want to say. Let me look. Published, oh, 2016 was the first edition. So I was 16 years old when this, oh, that makes more sense. This was the, no, this was the second signing I went to, I thought. That's not true. Because when I was, this might have been the first one I went to, and then Adjustment Day came out in 2018. That makes more sense. Okay. So I guess that this did come out when I was younger than I, but it pretty much just goes through the story of things that happen after. They talk about Helter Skelter, they talk about, like, like, it definitely goes off the rails a little bit. It's hard for me to describe an entire graphic novel where so much happens and I read it in, like, two days, but to see that side of Chuck's talent and to see it illustrated this way is so worth it. Especially the second one. I really enjoyed the second. But the third kind of went even crazier, which is hard to believe. Um, this one came out in 2020. So he had three things come out in 2020. He had a novel, a, like a essay collection of real life occurrences for him, and then he had this one. And he, he released three things last year, and I only heard about this was Fight Club 3. I didn't hear about the invention of sound. I didn't hear about Consider This, which is his essay collection. I just heard about this, so I got really excited. And then I saw that he had two other books out. And then I got really mad at myself that I didn't know. But in the third one, the narrator has a kid. He's kind of with Marla. He's still going to support groups, but he becomes like this normie and he's sick of it. And then it goes through this whole thing of like paintings being possessed, which you would think made no sense. But remember, he's mentally ill here. So, like, a lot of it is just unchecked mental illness. But it's a it, definitely a crazy story. Um, if you want to jump into Fight Club, read the first book first. Read the, the other 
graphic novels maybe after watching the first movie because it does help to have that context in it, believe it or not. Like, the, the characters in the comic books don't look like Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. They don't. Which is fine. So you don't really need to watch the movie to picture these people. But if you watch the movie, you can kind of just... You can get, understand the vibe a little better. Um, and Chuck worked closely on the movie. The movie did really well. Everybody really likes the movie. So just fucking watch the movie anyway. We're gonna move on, though. Chuck, uh, Fight Club is just a whole universe now, which I think only came about because Chuck was bankrupt. Um, I don't want to say that because, like, I, I love the dude and I know that he probably would have done it anyway, but it does seem kind of like a cash grab to extend a story into two full-length graphic novels 20 to 25 years later. I like the idea and I definitely enjoyed both of them, but it, it's a wild reach to me. Um, but we'll move on. <laughs> um, the next novel that he published was Survivor. And this is where a lot of people are going to click off because these books are not nearly as popular as Fight Club. Um, unless, you know, you're a member of the Panic of the Disco fandom, in which case Invisible Monsters is something you might want to stay for. But Survivor came out in 1999, I believe. It's another one of my signed copies. Yeah, 1999. And this is about a Cretish death cult. Let me read the summary for you. The perfect comment on our apocalypse fixated times by Spin Records. That is a review. Tender Branson, last surviving member of the Cretish death cult, is dictating his life story into the recorder of flight 2039, cruising on autopilot at 39,000 feet above somewhere over the Pacific Ocean. He is all alone on the airplane, which will crash shortly into the vast Australian outback. But before it does, he will unfold the tale of his journey from an obedient Cretish child and humble domestic servant to an ultra-buffed, steroid and collagen-packed media messiah. This book is told backwards. It is told from him on the plane. And believe it or not, the numbers in the book also go backwards. The chapters go backwards. It starts at chapter 47. Yes. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Maybe this is working. I don't know. You can even hear me. I don't know. But if you can hear me, listen. And if you're listening, then what you found is the story of everything that went wrong. This is what you'd call the flight recorder of flight 2039. The black box, people call it, even though it's orange. And on the inside is a loop of wire that's the permanent record of all that's left. So he is pretty much retelling his entire life story as he's dying. And if anybody finds it, this is what they're going to find. And he tells a story about how he's been living in a cult, how he was born in it, how he's lived since then, and how he pretty much loses his mind and gets to the crane plane crash, pretty much. Like, he just, like like it said, uh, collagen-packed media messiah. So he goes, I haven't read this one in a long time, but he pretty much, he loses his mind because he's already in such a corrupt society like he he doesn't know any better so he goes through his life confused and blind pretty much this one i want to rate like a four out of five mostly because i read it right after i read fight club and it didn't get me the same way um no book has gotten me the way fight club has to be honest with you but his these books that i have here some of them are really really close um this one was one of them i did really enjoy it um, but it, I've, it's been years since I've read it, 
I have some highlighted passages in here I can read to you to give you an idea of, like, the way he writes. Let me just, let me read one for you. This is on page 273, which is the beginning of the book. Any emotion was decadent. Anticipation or regret was a silly extra, a luxury. That was the definition of our faith. Nothing was to be known. Anything was to be expected. You know, some philosophy for you. Their way, everything in your life turns into an item on a list. Something to accomplish. You get to see how your life looks flattened out. Like, hello? This book goes crazy. Read this book. I just opened it to a page and it just said, go ahead, kill yourself. Um, maybe. Also, there is, I don't want to say there's a trigger warning for his content. Because, like, it depends on what your triggers are. But it is, he's very descriptive. And sometimes it gets a little gory and gross. Especially when he starts talking about, like, bodily fluids. So if that's not your thing, maybe don't read his stuff. Maybe only stick to, like, certain parts of his stuff. But there is a lot of blood mention throughout his entire, like, body of work. Survivor, four out of five. We're moving on to the book of my life, pretty much. Um, Invisible Monsters was the first Chuck book I read. And I read it because Time to Dance by Panic at the Disco pretty much turned this book into a song. They weren't Ryan's lyrics. Well, some of them were. But most most of them were Chuck's, like, just, just excerpts from this book. It's hard to explain this book because I was so young when I read it. But I have to read this one again because it's so fucking good. But... It's about Evie Cottrell and her friend whose name I am forgetting. Hold on. This is one that I need to do justice because I want everybody to read this book. Um, Invisible Monsters Summary. This is one I wanted to be made into a movie so like so badly. Shannon McFarlane is a model who's been shot in the face, leaving her with hideous disfigurement that will change her life forever. So pretty much, she goes through life only being recognized for her looks, and she gets into an accident, and you find out like what the accident is and how it happened towards the end of the story, so I'm not going to spoil that. But she gets into an accident in which her jaw is shot off her face. So she can't talk anymore, and she makes friends with Evie, who is a, I believe, transgender woman, and there's one other character. Visible Monsters can be a challenging read as the novel unfolds in a stream-of-consciousness format. Recollections of mostly past incidents are told from the vantage point of a mutilated woman that assumes several identities, such as Shannon McFarlane, Daisy St. Patience, and Bubba John, or Bubba Joan, Throughout the story, these personas are fabricated and given to her by another character, Brandy Alexander. That is the transgender woman who accompanies her throughout most of the novel. So it starts on her wedding day, and then she talks about her older brother. And then she talks about how he passed away from AIDS, and then all these other things that go crazy. Like, it's a lot of drugs and a lot of just trying to figure out who you are as a person. But it, it's pretty much told as, like, this person's diary, like, which 
Okay, she's a fashion model who has everything. A boyfriend, a career, a loyal best friend, but when a sudden freeway accident, quote-unquote, leaves her disfigured and incapable of speech, she goes from being the beautiful center of attention to being an invisible monster so hideous that no one will acknowledge she exists. Enter Brandy Alexander, Queen Supreme, one operation away from becoming a real woman, who will teach her that reinventing yourself means erasing your past and making up something better. And that salvation hides in the last places you'll ever want to look. This book is insane. Please read this book. Please read Chuck's books. This this is just the ongoing moral of this story. Moral of this podcast is read his stories. This one is frustrating to read if you're, like, not understanding what's going on. So if you know that it's told a certain way. Um, he also has Invisible Monsters Remix that I have not read yet, which is the same story, but it goes even crazier. The review is even more fun to read than the first time around. Injected with new material and a topsy-turvy structure, this revised director's cut turns a daring satire on beauty and the fashion industry into an even more wild reading experience, filling Chuck Palahniuk's original vision of the novel. On this thrill ride, we meet a fashion model who leads a charmed life, not until a sudden accident leaves her disfigured and unable to speak. Um, but this one will tell you, like, once, like, I started reading this one, but you'll finish a page or, like, a finish a chapter and then it'll say, like, jump backwards or jump to page, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to go to that part in the book. Like, one of them is literally written in, like, written backwards. Like, the words themselves are backwards. You have to put this in a mirror to read it correctly, which is one of the reasons why I haven't really bothered to read it but at the end of every chapter it goes now jump to chapter 39 and then you would jump to chapter 39 and then jump to chapter 42 jump around page this that the other thing like it's it's nuts like he if you read his books you have to read his books you have to actually sit down tune out anything that would probably distract you and you have to like go into it you have to be willing to think a little and I love books like that. I love books that kind of get you involved in the story and, like, you're responsible for understanding it on your own. Um, definitely definitely one I still want to try, but I don't want to read it in a mirror. Like, it's lit. I, it's backwards. Did I get past that part already? I did. I did read that part because pages after it are highlighted. But... This is my example of, like, why I love him so much. His his books are just crazy and just for no reason. Like, for no particular reason. I don't know why he did that. I will probably understand after I read it why he would write a second entire book. Like, the same story, just completely different. It's a director's cut, and I really like that. Because, like, now can you make them into a movie? Chuck, can you hear me? Chuck, if you're listening, please make Invisible Monsters into a movie. Um... If you need someone to play the main character who gets her face shot off, what's her name? Doesn't tell me her name in the fucking... Okay, yeah, her... She goes by a ton of other names, but... I'll play the main character. If you wanna. If you need someone. Um, I'll get my face shot off. I would love that. Are you fucking kidding me? Alright, moving on. Um... I think the next one he wrote after Invisible Monsters was Choke. Choke also has a movie. Believe it or not, I haven't seen it yet. I might watch it today. Actually, it's like four bucks on Amazon. Um, 
this one is signed. He's he, at this um, meet and greet and everything. He would sign each book relating to the plot of the book. So this one says to Willow, a fellow sex maniac, um, which is pretty dope uh, to be called a sex maniac by your favorite author <laughs> shortly before he chokes the living shit out of you for a picture. Um, choke is something else. <laughs> Victor Mancini, a medical school dropout is an anti-hero for our deranged times. Needing to pay for elder care for his mother, Victor has devised an ingenious scam. He pretends to choke on pieces of food while dining in upscale restaurants. He then allows himself to be quote-unquote saved by fellow patrons, who, feeling responsible for Victor's life, go on to send checks to support him. When he's not pulling this stunt, Victor cruises sexual addiction to recovery workshops for action, visits his addled mom, and spends his days working at Colonial Theme Park. Everyday normal stuff, right? He chokes on food to pay for his mother's elder care. And his mother barely knows who he is half the time. So it's this whole frustrating thing where, like, he'll go visit his mother and his mother will call him either, like, his brother's name, his father's name, all these other things. Here's a highlighted sentence for you that I highlighted at the tender age of 14, 15. It seemed that moment would last forever that you had to risk your life to get love. You had to get right to the edge of death to ever be saved. And I guess the whole story is him finding someone he, like, can't bring himself to have sex with because for him, sex is completely meaningless and he actually starts to feel for this woman. So it, it is a love story to some extent, but it's also the struggling, like, over-masculine like, uncaring, fuck-everything attitude that this guy has. Like, he he doesn't care about anything. Like, he doesn't participate in his rehab. He scams people for money. And, like, it works. Like, he chokes on food and people save his life. And then they're like, oh my god, let me send you checks to make sure you're- Like, I put you on the right path. Like, you almost died and now I need to make sure your life is worth something. All of his stories go into such, like, they make you think about, like, what would happen if society was this way or, like, what could create a society like this. And when you realize we're not too far off and he's emphasizing certain parts of our society that already exist, you start to panic a little bit because his books are so bleak and so, like, dry. There's, like, he's so blunt and just angry at the world, which... I've met the guy. He's such a nice dude. I was so intimidated the first time I met him. I was like, this man is gonna think I'm stupid. I've been standing outside in the sun all day. I don't have deodorant. I stink. My hair's pink. I have a wrist cast on. Like, and he was the nicest dude ever. He was there barefoot. He was like hanging out with everybody. He had been there for hours and he was just super nice. But when you read his stories, you don't think that he's going to be, like, a normal dude. You think he's just going to be someone who, like, authors are weird anyway. Like, Stephen King's a weird guy. But, like, you think this man is just going to be, like, living underground, just so angry at the world and society. Like, he's writing these books to pretty much heal. And in a way... That's probably not that far off, I'm gonna be honest with you. Because, like, if you write like this, something must have happened to you. He's also a gay man, I realized. He was afraid some a journalist was gonna out him, so he, he came out on his website. Um, which I had no idea. Sienna told me that. She was like, this man is gay, right? And I was like, how do you know that? And I don't. That doesn't make any fucking sense. But 
you guys need another reason to uh, read his books, he's a homo like me. Um, but we will move on from Choke. Choke is, I haven't seen the movie. Um, it has a pretty good cast though. But I guess the director, like I was reading reviews, they're very mixed. I might read, I might watch that tonight. I don't know. I need more Chuck content. So if that's as close as I'm going to get, you know, I'll, I'll do it. But um, he has entered an era of such interesting work that like you can, if you read them from like his first book to now, you can see how he's developed. I read them out of order, so I can't really give you that sort of timeline. Um, but it's okay because we're not completely done yet. <laughs> Next, after Choke, we still have quite a ways to go. Um, don't mind me. Did I get this one signed? Did I get this one signed? I thought I did. I thought I got Diary signed, but I did not. I could have sworn I did. I'm kind of mad. Nope. No, I didn't. This one came out in... Hello. Give me a copyright page. Thank you. 2003. Diary. This is one I made Max read, and he, to this day, hates me for it. I made him read it sophomore year of high school, and mostly because he wanted to be my best friend. So he needed to figure out a way to do that, so he asked me for a book recommendation. I gave him this one. Um, totally oblivious to the fact that he was in love with me. Hi, Max, if you're listening. <laughs> I just completely exposed you, and I apologize. Here's the summary to Diary. Misty Wilmot has had it. Once a promising young artist, she's drinking too much and working as a waitress in a hotel. Her husband, a contractor, is in a coma after a suicide attempt, and his clients are threatening Misty with lawsuits over a series of vile messages that he's discovered on the walls of the houses he's remodeled. Suddenly, Misty's artistic talent returns. Inspired but confused by a burst of creativity, she soon finds herself a pawn in a larger conspiracy that threatens to cost hundreds of lives. What unfolds is a dark, hilarious story from America's most inventive nihilist and Palahniuk's most impressive work to date. This book is nuts. I say that about all of his content pretty much, but this one, like Max will agree with me, this one is crazy. This woman is losing her mind. She has lost her child. Her husband's dying and she's being sued by people her husband knows because of these wacky messages that are being put on the houses he's remodeled. So she's writing about her descent into hell pretty much. But she's also writing, like, she's also experiencing strong inspiration for her art. And then towards the end of the book, you see what happens to her kid. And it, it's just, again, goes crazy. Um, super dark. This uh, quote at the top here says, Some of his best work is here. It could be Pelinek's most ambitious novel to date. Certainly the most ambitious since Fight Club, which is his fucking first book. I don't agree with that. I think Invisible Monsters goes hard as hell, but it's- the diary is definitely one of his more creative endeavors, and I love when his main characters are women, um, because he has such a respect for them that, like, all of them are complicated people, like, he understands that- like, when he writes about men, these men are always, like, angry and, like, anarchists or nihilists or something, and then he writes about women who are, like, creative and you know homemakers and just badasses like even the side characters in his books if they're women they're going off you know what i mean like he cares but his main characters when they're women just hard as fuck moving on lullaby another one that i read i think i might have read his earlier stuff first but this might be the last one in order that i have read this one came out is this one signed 
What copies did I even get signed? What's wrong with me? Um, this one was 2002, so this came out right before Diary did. So I apologize for the misunderstanding. But Lullaby, this one was, like, very different from his other stuff. This one, um, it got really popular, I guess. It was a national bestseller. A story so eccentric and complex that you begin to understand why Polinic's literature is a breed of all its own. Basically, if you've read Chuck's stuff, you know that there's no author existing like him. So, when you read a Chuck book, you know you're in for a treat. This summary is, have you ever heard of a culling song? It's a lullaby sung in Africa to give a painless death to the old or infirm. The lyrics of a culling song kill, whether spoken or even just thought. You can find one on page 27 of Poems and Rhymes from Around the World, an anthology on the shelves of libraries across the country. When reporter Carl Streeter discovers that, a that unsuspecting readers are reading the poem and accidentally killing their children, he begins a desperate cross-country quest to put the culling song to rest and save the nation from, put from certain disaster. Written with a style and imagination that can only come from Chuck Palahniuk, Lullaby is the latest outrage from one of our most exciting writers at work today. So basically, if you're traveling the country trying to get rid of a song, good fucking luck. But this song kills anyone who, I guess, thinks the lyrics of it, which, obviously not real. Um, but it, it makes you feel like you're in this world where if you were to actually read the, the words of the songs, you would die. Um, I don't think he puts any of the lyrics in the book, but I think it's based off of an actual song. Um... Lots of highlighted things in here because I was angsty as fuck. <laughs> this one, okay, I haven't given you ratings for the last one. Invisible Monster is 5 out of 5. Diary is 5 out of 5. Choke, I want to say, is like a 4 out of 5. Lullaby is a 4 out of 5. Um, Haven't read the remix yet. But, yeah. So none of these books really go below like a 3 out of 5. One that is a 3 out of 5 or was a 3 out of 5 when I read it was Snuff. Snuff came out in like 2009. This book cover's so fun too. Um, did I get this one signed? What books did I get signed? I literally thought I had this one signed. Cause I, you could bring three books per meet and greet. So I have six copies that are signed and I don't know which six they are. But this one came out in 2008, which is a little later. But it's about a porn star. Which, oh my god, when I, I made my boyfriend at the time read this one too, because he picked it out, because I had all of the ones that I had read, I was like, alright, I'm gonna make you read one of his books, pick one, I won't argue with you, you can pick it based on the title and the cover, don't read the back until after you've chosen. Um, he read the back of it and still chose to read it, he said he liked it a lot, um, don't give a fuck about his opinion, but I influence everyone I've ever spoken to with this man. I got Max in it. Sienna's Red Fight Club, Haley's Red Fight Club, my ex-boyfriend. Like, if you know me, you're at least gonna have to read Fight Club at some point. I gotta get Renee to read Chuck book at some point. I don't know how she is with that kind of stuff. We don't have a lot in common in that area, so I don't want to force her to read anything she doesn't want to, but these books go hard, so... In the crowded green room of a porn movie production, hundreds of men mill around in their boxers, awaiting their turn with the le legendary Cassie Wright. An aging adult film star, Cassie intends to cap her career by breaking the world record for serial fornication by having sex with 600 men on camera, one of whom may want to kill her. So she 
has this whole thing planned out where these guys will wait in the area and you and you kind of like learn certain things about them the the point of view changes every chapter you learn who sheila is you learn who mr 72 is and they like all have their own opinions on cassie wright as well as you know the thing she's doing but someone one of these people in this book wants to kill her and you do find out who it is at the end and like another one that's just super graphic <laughs> for no reason um i remember it being really really descriptive um which is totally fine because it does get you involved but like if you're not ready for in-depth sex talk uh don't read this book at the age of 15 like i did <laughs> um chuck if you're listening this is not your fault that i read such inappropriate books for my age i had no one to censor my reading um and I'm grateful for it because I did find one of my favorite authors this way. But Snuff is one of the more just, it's funny and it's good, but it's like a lot if you're not ready for it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting concept. And obviously he does such a good job at it. But this one is just so out there. It took me it took me longer to get through this one because it's so different, but I did really like it eventually. This one was it took more to adjust, I want to say. Another one that I read. This is the last one in my pile that I have finished. Some of them I have touched. No, it's not actually. I have two more that I've actually read. Um and then I have one that I'm reading and then one that I've started and finished or not finished, but like put down, abandoned. But the last two that I've read are Damned and Beautiful You. So we'll talk about Damned first. Damned was super interesting because he had never written about a kid before. Like, the main characters hadn't been below the age of, like, 20-something. And this girl is 13. So you would think, oh, this author who's, like, gory and descriptive and dark would kind of lighten up for, like, a younger audience. No! No! This 13-year-old died having sex, well, about to have sex. She was being strangled with a string of condoms. That's how she died. And then she went to hell, and now she's part of this, like, demon breakfast club group. That's what their description is, not mine. But the uh, summary goes, From the author of Fight Club comes a dark, hilarious, and brilliant satire about adolescence, hell, and the devil. Madison is the 13-year-old daughter of a narcissistic film star and a billionaire, Abandoned at her Swiss boarding school for Christmas, she dies over the holiday, presumably of a marijuana overdose. No, she was strangled. Um, but she also was smoking weed. The last thing she remembers is getting into a town car and falling asleep, then waking up in hell, literally. Madison finds soon finds herself sharing a cell with a motley crew of young sinners. A cheerleader, a jock, a nerd, and a punk rocker, all united by their doomed fate like a breakfast club of the damned. Together, they form an odd coalition and march across the unspeakable landscape of hell, full of used diapers, dandruff, Wi-Fi blackout spots, evil historical figures, and one horrific call center to confront the devil himself. So she doesn't want to be in hell. But then they write a sequel that I have not gotten to read yet because I haven't had the time or the energy, and when I have both, I'm reading something else. It's called Doomed, which is... Like, I remember when this came out and I was so excited to read it, and then I just never did! 
But I'm back on my reading kick, so my plan is to read all of Chuck's books before I touch anything else, because I want to finish his shit so bad. But Doomed is the sequel to Damned, and it came out a few years later. And this description goes, Madison Spencer, the liveliest and snarkiest dead girl in the universe, continues the afterlife adventure begun in Chuck Palahniuk bestseller Damned. Just as a novel that brought us a brilliant hell that only he could imagine, Doomed is a dark and twisted apocalyptic vision from this provocative storyteller. Best-selling Damn chronicled Madison's journey across the unspeakable landscape of the afterlife to confront the devil himself, but her story isn't over yet. In a series of electronic dispatches dispatches, from the great beyond, Doom describes the ultimate showdown between good and evil. After Halloween ritual gone awry, Madison finds herself trapped in purgatory, or as mortals like you and I know it, Earth. She can see and hear every detail of the world she's left behind, yet she's invisible to everyone who's still alive. Not only do people look right through her, they walk right through her as well. The upside is that no longer, subje- no longer subject to physical limitations, she can pass through doors and walls. Her first stop is her parents' luxurious apartment, where she encounters the ghost of her long-deceased grandmother. For Madison, the encounter triggers memories of the awful summer she spent upstate with Nana, Minnie, Minnie and her grandfather, Papa Daddy. I'm not kidding. <laughs> As she revisits the painful truth of what transpired over those months, including a disturbing and finally fatal meeting in the rest up's fetid men room, men's room in which, well, never mind. They said that, not me. I know it sounds like I'm just reading like an idiot. It says, well, never mind, right here. Her saga of eternal damnation takes on a new and sinister meaning. Satan has had Madison in his sights from the very beginning. Through her and her narcissistic celebrity parents, he plans to engineer an era of eternal damnation for everyone. Super excited to read it. Haven't made the effort. I want to know what happens to her after the first one, because I've, like, Chuck doesn't write sequels that often. Like, novel sequels. The only novel sequel he has is this one. So I want to see how he continues a story in two novels, whether than a novel and two fucking graphic novels. Anyway, moving on. The last one I fully finished, and then we'll talk about the ones that I haven't touched yet, and the one I am reading. The last one is a newer one. I remember when this came out. Okay, so maybe I've... Maybe this was the other signing I went to. No, because I went to Adjustment Day. I did get this one signed, though. Adjustment Day and Fight Club 2, because I got those books. But he did sign my beautiful you copy on the wrong page for some reason. Um, this, this book is one of my favorites. This book took me less than a week to read. I remember reading it my junior year of high school, I want to say. Um, and I was always so nervous the teacher was going to come and pick it up off my desk and read, like, the, um, the jacket. And I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. Okay, this one came out in 2014, so I must have been reading this, like, freshman year. Or eighth grade. Because I, I read it, like, about the time it came out. Maybe a year after. I might have been in freshman year, but... Too young to be reading about vibrators, you'd think. Although, I don't think so. I think this one was one of his tamer books, to be honest with you. Um, But Beautiful You is a story about vibrators and sex toys in general. And I'll just, I'll read this to you. But I, this book is so good. Penny Herring, Harrigan, excuse me, is a low-level associate in a big Manhattan law firm who has an apartment in Queens and no love life at all. So it comes as a great shock when she finds herself invited to dinner by one C. Linus Maxwell, a.k.a. Climaxwell, a software mega-billionaire and lover of the most gorgeous and accomplished woman on Earth. 
After taking her to dinner at Manhattan's most exclusive restaurant, he whisks Penny off to a hotel suite in Paris where he proceeds, notebook in hand, to bring her to previously undreamed of heights of orgasmic pleasure for days on end. What's not to like? This. Penny discovers that she is a test subject for the final development of a line of sex toys to be marketed in a nationwide chain of boutiques called Beautiful You. So potent and effective are these devices that women by the millions line up outside the stores on opening day and then lock themselves in their rooms with them and with them and stop coming out, except for batteries. Maxwell's plan for erotically enabled world domination must be stopped. But how? He literally invented a line of sex toys to get women... First of all, he made men obsolete. They can't provide orgasms anyway, but now they don't need to pretend. So you get this line of sex toys that is going to make you come so hard that you don't want to leave your room ever and only want to fuck yourself. You don't go on dates. You don't meet new friends. You don't go to your work. You, you are stuck inside your room coming over and over and over again and this this girl that finds out about it this girl that's whisked away by this guy is like no 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 i see what you're doing here you're trying to fuck with us no pun intended <laughs> but this book is probably one of my fate oh this one was already signed never mind um <laughs> this one is probably one of my favorite books like ever not just Chuck books, but, like, a book that I haven't enjoyed. I hadn't enjoyed a lot of books in a very long time, but this one, this one did it for me. I did really enjoy this book. I was very excited about it. I love the way it's written. Um, like, he, not as dark as his other stuff. It definitely has more humor involved in it, which I think is super important. Um, but it's such an interesting, like, way to go. Like, how do you dominate the world with fucking vibrators? Like, good for you, but, like, sometimes I wish those vibrators really existed just to see what would happen. You know? <laughs> just out of curiosity. So I have read 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 Chuck books total. I have one on the way, his newest one, The Invention of Sound, that I don't even know the plot of yet. Um, and then I have 1, 2, 3, 4... Five, six that I haven't fully committed to. Like, I have opened all of them at some point, but I've never made it past the first chapter or the first few chapters. Haunted is one that I made pretty far in before I put it away. Ooh, I have a letter in here. Who's this from? This is from... Oh. Oh, this is my pen pal from <laughs> fucking school. We had pen pals within our high school um, with some other students who were like, I think, transfer students. Sorry, I got distracted. Haunted. Um, this is one that I've kind of sort of indulged in a little bit. I was not able to finish it, mostly because I was aggravated with all the characters and I hated all of them. But you're supposed to, so, like, that's on me. Um, Haunted tells the story of a writer's retreat while switching between the actual story and each story that the characters themselves had written. 
Um, Haunted is a novel made up of 23 horrifying, hilarious, and stomach-churning stories. They're told by people who have answered an ad for a writer's retreat and unwittingly joined a survivor-like scenario where the host withholds heat, power, and food. As the storytellers grow more desperate, their tales become more extreme, and they ruthlessly plot to make themselves the hero of the reality show that will surely be made from their plate. This is one of the most disturbing and outrageous books you'll ever read, one that only could come from the mind of Chuck Palahniuk. That is one of his staples, I guess, is being morbid. Like, I was talking about this one with Sienna the other day. There is a short story in this story. It's one. Of, it's the first short story put into the story. So this is a good start. It starts, well, the second one. The first one's a poem. It's called Guts, and um, I would read it to you. But I don't want to make anyone throw up while listening to my podcast. But basically, and I'm going to put a trigger warning here for a very gory description. Um, the, the main character of the short story that's written by one of the characters in the big story doesn't tell me who it's written by. I don't think. It's called Guts. It's the second story, or third story. But Guts was first. Maybe I'm wrong. Guinea pigs, landmarks, and then guts. Okay. It's by Saint Gutfrey, believe it or not. There is a character called Saint Gutfrey. Um, and he writes pretty much how he lost his intestines. And this story was taken and eventually like either referenced or retold in something else i tweeted about it like oh there's a story about you know this guy who gets his guts ripped out in a pool but um i don't i don't know what was ripped off but pretty much he's in a pool he is sexually frustrated and he has no idea like he knows that there's a g-spot up his ass and he ends up sucking his intestines out through his ass in the pool. I'll let, I'll let you think about that for a second. Just getting your intestines ripped out of your ass and living and living. He, he lived after that. He's a character in the story. <laughs> That's all I need to say. I haven't finished that book. I don't know what happens, but I do know they do start cutting power and losing food and then they go a little crazy. But I would probably need to restart it or go back a few chapters before I continued it because there's a lot going on in this story. And I feel is also the cover glows in the dark, which is super fun. So definitely, definitely going to read that one at some point. The last ones I have are Rant, Pygmy, Tell All, Make Something Up, Fugitives and Refugees, and Adjustment Day. Adjustment Day is the novel that I am reading. Make Something Up is a compilation of more short stories, but this is more just... Did I read 200 pages of this and then put it down? No. No, I didn't. Did I just start this story? There is no way that I read this whole entire story and then just didn't finish it. I don't know, but it's a collection of short stories. There's really no, like, one plot in this one. Like, there isn't Haunted. Stories you'll never forget, just try, from literature's favorite transgressive author. 
Representing work that spans up more than a decade, Make Something Up is Chuck Palahniuk's first collection of short fiction, compilation of 22 stories and a novella that will disturb, delight, and disturb and delight in equal measure. The absurdity of both life and death are on full display in Zombies. The best and brightest of a high school become tragically addicted to the latest drug craze, electric shocks from cardiac defibrillators. In Knock Knock, a son hopes to tell one last off-collar joke off-color joke to a father in his final moments while Tunnel of Love, a massage therapist, practices the curious art of providing relief to dying clients. And in Expedition, fans will be thrilled to find a side of Tyler Durden they have never seen before. That's what I was reading. I was reading Expedition. And this precursor story to the general class, generational classic Fight Club. So there is a Fight Club-related little story in this book called Expedition. If you want more Fight Club content, I think he's also in another, like, compilation short story um with like other authors and stuff i remember my boyfriend at the time also got me like a rare book which one of his short stories was in but i can't be certain it was the same one um but i'm excited to read these stories because chuck's short fiction goes nuts like i i told you guts was like like he wrote all of those the short stories but guts was just one that stuck with me and i feel like if anything like that exists in this one yeah like it will not leave my brain um, I don't know. I mean, he's done so much with his career. I'm just, I've never been so overwhelmed by content by someone. Rant is about Buster Rant Casey, who just might be the most efficient serial killer of our time. A high school rebel, Rant, Ke- Rant Casey escapes from his small town home in the big, from the, for the big city where he becomes the leader of an urban demolition derby called Party Crashing. Rant Casey will die a spectacular highway death, after which his friends gather the testimony needed to build an oral history of his short, violent life. So, this is the oral history of him. An oral biography of Buster Casey. So, all these people are being interviewed to talk about him after his death for his funeral, pretty much. Um, so, they're all separate. Like, his books are never really told, like, normal novels. Like, he will sometimes, but, like... This one just is the recounting of his life through his friends and people who knew him, people who didn't know him, and just probably a lot of lies and propaganda. But I have not gotten that far, so I can't tell you how it ends. Um, And I'm not going to tell you how any of these end anyway. They're definitely, but like, I can't recommend this one yet because I haven't read it yet. Um, Pygmy is one of like the least appealing books I've ever touched from him like i've just never had the desire to read this one compared to all his other ones i don't know what it is because it doesn't sound bad a gang of adolescent terrorists a spelling bee and a terrible plan masquerading as a science project this is operation havoc pygmy is one of a handful of young adults from a totalitarian totalitarian state wow pygmy is one of a handful of young adults from a totalitarian state sent to the u.s disguised as exchange students Living with American families to blend in, they are planning an unspecified act of massive terrorism that will bring these, this big, dumb country and its fat, dumb inhabitants to their knees. In his finest novels since a generation-defining fight club, Palahniuk depicts Midwestern life through the eyes of this indoctrined little killer. He has a lot of books that have some sort of mob involved. Like, we got... We got, um, this one is Operation Havoc. We have Project Mayhem. We have, in Adjustment Day, we have 
I don't think they're a group, but uh, Adjustment Day is the office first novel in four years. I don't know. Adjustment Day is more of like a a different religion slash political book, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, because that's the one I'm reading now. Pygmy has never pulled me in the same way. Um, I've never really, like, tried it. It looks interesting. There are some blackouts in it. Like, they've got redacted information that you'll probably have to figure out. But they're, like, told as dispatches instead of chapters. I don't know. This is on the list, of course, of things I need to finish, but... This one never was never on like my list of eager to read, I guess. And I want to read it because I want to read all this stuff. But this might take a little longer just for some reason. I don't know why. It just sounds not as far up my alley as the other ones do. But I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. This one is one I did really want to read because it gave me Invisible Monster vibes. And I desperately wanted to read it and it just didn't hit the same way. So I haven't touched it since starting it um it's called tell all and it's oof, it just sounds so good but like i just i couldn't do it i don't know why this might be another one i'll try soon but for decades hazy coogan has tended to the outsized needs of Catherine miss kathy kenton veteran of multiple marriages career comebacks and cosmetic surgeries but danger arrives with gentleman caller webster carlton westward iii who worms his way into miss kathy's heart and boudoir Soon, Hazy discovers that this bounder has already written a celebrity memoir foretelling Miss Cassie's Miss Kathy's death in an upcoming musical extravaganza. As the body count mounts, Hazy must execute a plan to save Catherine Kenton for her fans and for her posterity. So, basically, a crazed fan plans to kill this bitch, who... And he disguises himself as a gentleman caller. Um, my theory is that he is a crazed fan, the same way that the man who killed John Lennon is, etc. I made it to, like, chapter three in this one. Mo I think I realized at a certain age that these books weren't gonna compute the same way, so I stopped reading them. But now I'm, like, halfway through Adjustment Day and it's actually working and I'm actually enjoying it again, so maybe that's a sign that I can read like a normal person again. I don't know. Tell All is higher on my list than Pygmy, that's for sure. And lastly, before we talk about Adjustment Day, we have Fugitives and Refugees, which is a sh compilation of real stories. And the closest thing he may ever write to an autobiography, Chuck Pilnick provides answers to all these questions and more as he takes you through the streets, sewers, and local haunts of Portland, Oregon. Um, if you want to know where his tonsils reside, or if you're looking for a naked mannequin to hide your kitchen cabinets... Um, curious about Chuck's debut in an MTV music video? Wait, what? He was in an MTV music video? I gotta look at that. Um, how do you get to the Apocalypse Cafe? What goes on the Scum Center? Like, he just tells you about his life, um, which is super compelling, because I do want to understand the brain of this man. Um, he also wrote Consider This, which is a collection of, like, essays, um, and then he also has Stranger Than Fiction, I think, which is where he tells about his um, real experiences with weird things and how he gets his book inspiration, I assume. But lastly, before I go and leave you with some thoughts, we're going to talk about Adjustment Day. I am almost halfway through Adjustment Day, and I have some things to say about it. <laughs> um, 
for those of you who have no idea what's going on in the world today, um, America's falling apart, believe it or not. And this book pretty much captures something that could end up happening at some point in the future. Let me read the jacket first, and then I'll get into my opinions, I guess. The author of Fight Club takes America beyond our darkest dreams in this timely satire. People pass the world only to those they trust most. Adjustment Day is coming. They've been reading a mysterious book and memorizing its directives. They are ready for the reckoning. Adjustment Day, the author's first novel in four years, and is, is an ingeniously comic work in which Chuck Palahniuk's, Chuck Palahniuk does what he does best. Skewer the absurdities in our society. Smug, geriatric politicians bring the nation to the brink of a third world war in an effort to control the, burna- the burgeoning population of young males, working classmen dreams of burying the elites, and professors pr- propound, propound, propound theories that offer students only the bleakest future. And this, dis- these words are huge, into this dyspeptic, dispe- <laughs> Into this dystopic time, a blue-black book is launched carrying wis- such wisdom as, Imagine there's no God. There is no heaven or hell. There is only your son and his son and his son and the world you leave for them. The weak want you to forego your destiny just as they have shirked theirs. A smile is your best bulletproof vest. When Adjustment Day arrives, it fearlessly makes the logical conclusion of every separatist fantasy alternative fact and conspiracy theory lurking in the American psyche. Basically propaganda at its finest um to make this i'm trying to find my dog my dog might be home um um i don't know adjustment day pretty much is told from multiple perspectives of people who were summoned to be a part of it so you would only trust want like you would pick one person that you trusted not to fuck it up pretty much um and you would tell them about adjustment day and be like listen this is what's going on and you have one person to tell you have to tell someone that you trust that would not fuck up our lineage which a lineage is like one person tells the other person who tells the other person who tells the other person and once everybody across the country knows they are set up for the day which they pretty much massacre politicians who are passing a third world war act pretty much like drafting men into the um into the war and it it's it balances on politics and religion it seems like it seems like the book in the book that they're talking about um adjustment day is like their own version of the Bible, but also kind of a political manifesto at the same time. So it's very, I guess, double-edged sword-like. And there's some things I agree with, like money expiring instead of like hoarding it, you have to trade it in for money that isn't expired yet, which I think is pretty smart. But pretty much the downfall of capitalism and democracy, um, or American democracy, which isn't real democracy, but whatever. But it toes the line of political and religious and seeing all these men who do believe in it, kind of taking it out of context and how it spirals. Again, I'm only halfway through, so I don't know how it ends. But very timely, I think, for what's going on in our world today. Definitely something you might want to read if you're terrified of 
um, a dystopian universe because this is probably along the lines of what's going to happen one day, uh, whether it be 20 years down the road or 10. I don't know, but that's it for today's podcast. I hope you really enjoyed um, me listening, like listening to me ramble about my favorite author for an hour. Um, my top three recommendations I want to give to you guys from his from his entire body of work. I want to say for good like variation and story, I will give you Invisible Monsters. I will give you Fight Club just because it's important. And I will give you Beautiful You. So if you want to start, I would start with those. They're a lot easier to consume first. And then if you want, you can go into Diary, which is a little harder. Um, Snuff if you're more into the, like, the, uh, the sex. Lullaby if you're into death. Um, and Choke if you like douchebags. Um, because the narrator of that one is a douchebag. Adjustment Day is super good so far. I would also recommend that one if you guys want to go crazy and um, think about a political dystopia while we're in a political dystopia. Go for it. <laughs> um, I am going to now plug my prints real quick. I still have prints available. They're coming um, April 15th-ish is when I'm going to have them, so I'll probably send them out that weekend. I also have prints from last month if you guys want to buy some. Um, I'm unemployed still, so anything helps. Um, all my links will be in the description, and I'm gonna read my patrons real quick. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it so much. Um, and I know you guys know that, but I, I gotta say it any day, you know? I gotta say it every day. Every, every week. Um, but thank you guys again for just being here and listening to me and tolerating me and all that shit. Um, my patrons are Michael Linehan, Mary Cabral, Holly Rapkin, Kat, Shelby Church, my mom, Max, and Haley Park. I have lost a few patrons, um, but it's it's literally fine. Like, I know money's tight for everybody. Money's tight for me, too. Like, it happens. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you here next week. Bye!